0: So, we continue our journey through Luke's gospel, and we're still in chapter 6, as we have a follow-on from the last few weeks, as Jesus um, has called his first disciples. um, He calls out Peter and says, you'll no longer be a, a fisherman, but you'll be a fisher of people. And he starts to teach um, after coming down from the mountain, um, and what we know as the, the, the Sermon on the Plain, we countered this idea of there being an upside-down kingdom, where things that, that are natural to us are, are, are not natural in the kingdom, and, and vice versa. Um, and we continue that theme uh, today, where we seem to be getting asked things that, uh, that are just so alien to us uh, in our thinking, in our world. You know, in this upside-down kingdom where the where the rich are actually poor, and the the, the hungry are, are fed, and and those who are full up will will hunger uh, eventually, and it seems so unnatural to us, uh, the worldly ways of things. And now we come to this passage this morning where we're asked to to love, which doesn't seem out there when it comes to uh, Jesus' teachings, but we're called to not only love. Um, our friends and our family, people that are like us, but to actually extend that love to our enemies, people that, that we don't naturally, ot- automatically get along with or even agree with. Jesus is telling us that we need to love people that may well have hurt us very deeply. And, you know, I have a book in my, in my study and it's called, well, I've got two books. The first one is The Hard Sayings of Paul, and that's about this thick. And then I've got a book called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, and it's about this thick. Um, and being called to, to, to love our enemies is probably right up there in being the part of the hardest uh, of the sayings of Jesus. You know, to love people who have hurt us is incredibly difficult difficult one to, to follow through on. But Jesus asks this of us, and it's something that we need to take seriously. Now, the thing is, we live in quite a, a polarized world. You know, I don't think we have to look very far to see that there is a lot of division uh, out there, and it becomes more and more as each day and week and month seems to go on. We become, we're now becoming quite polarized. We live in a world where we have these extremes where you need to follow one thing or the other you're either one thing or you're the other and it comes becomes really difficult because for the vast majority of us we don't really sit at the the extremes but as as life is progressing on we seem to be struggling to find some kind of middle ground that we can navigate We're almost being forced into a a club or a group. You're either one thing or you're the other. That If you don't agree with this, then you're automatically this. And that's just not true. Am I right? But we're failing to get this middle ground to be able to navigate our way through. We're almost being forced into um, taking a side. Which automatically creates a, an enemy or an other. You know, we seem to find ourselves in this, what I like to call um, an arena where we're getting culture created enemies. People who we don't necessarily fall out with or, or don't like. It's just the culture is creating them to be one of our enemies. You know, we take a look at. Uh, the way that social media works and the way that people interact with one another is just awful and my hope is that they don't (laughs) interact with people in real life in the way that they do on social media it's my hope anyway it's awful so unkind and ridiculously rude to one another so easy just to post something online and it's out there in the ether. We don't get to see the immediate hurt that it causes. So it seems to be okay. And maybe if we were face to face with the person, we maybe wouldn't have said the thing that, that, we, that took us two seconds to type and phew, fire off. But Jesus' main reminder to us from this passage is that we need to treat people the way that we wish to be treated. And I think that's something that we've forgotten very deeply uh, in our culture, that that is the golden rule. How would we wish to be treated by others? And ultimately, how would we wish to be treated by God? Because the thing is, the more more often than not, when we encounter um, anger, we will probably repay that with with more anger. We very rarely are calm in those situations. We tend to mimic the behavior that is coming at us. It just seems to be a thing that we do as human beings. We don't find it easy to do the things that Jesus is asking of us in this passage. We tend to mimic whatever it is that's coming up against us. We become a mirror. Equally, if someone hurts us, we might look to try and hurt them in whatever way we can. We don't treat people the way that, um, that we wish to be treated. We tend to treat them the way that they're treating us. I don't think that it's a reach to say that we would all wish to be treated with respect and, and love. I also don't think it's much of a reach to say that we don't always do that. I'm not going to just throw myself under the bus with that one this week. I don't think it's a reach. I think that we all struggle at times to be able to do that. When we come up against hurt, when someone's trying to hurt us, we don't love them as well as we probably should. You know, Jesus opens up in verses 27 and 28. He says, But I say to you that listen. So he's talking directly to those people who will follow him and are listening to his teaching, that is us he says love your enemies do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you wow I'm listening Jesus I'm listening but wow that's hard that's tough Jesus is trying to show us what this kind of righteous living in the eyes of God looks like. And it is so alien to us in this kind of fallen world that we're in. It's so, so difficult. You know, when we're filled with anger, we're we're very rarely our best selves. We very rarely show the world what we were created to be. It becomes practically impossible when we're in that state to share love with others, especially when it's someone that that we are creating in our mind that they are somehow our enemy. It's incredibly difficult. And he summarizes that in verse 31. Jesus recognizes that that this is a, a, a thing that we will wrestle with. And in verse 31, that's when he says, you know, do to others as you would have them do to you. Take a, take a moment to kind of stop and think, how would I want to be, be dealt with in this particular situation? Is it how I'm being, you know, hurt and, and abused, or would I want to be treated with love and respect? We're called to be different. You know, he goes on and he says, you know, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. How is it? How is that marking you out as different when you're called to be different? If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Again, if we only do good things to, to people who are good to us, how is that different? If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. The good thing is, we don't have to do any of this stuff by ourselves. Jesus has shown us how to exhibit this love and what it looks like. We have access to the strengthening of the, the Holy Spirit as we go through our lives. That enables us to move beyond our own individual gifts and thoughts, and we have this supernatural godliness that's available to us. And as Jesus reminds us over and over and over again, it all begins with love. You know, love was the greatest need in the world back then, and it is the exact same today. The lack of love that is in our world he's so much, so much hurt. You know, Jesus is the perfect example and model of, of how to express that love and how it, how it should be done. You know, throughout our passage, we see that it needs to be sacrificial, it needs to be completely sacrificial, because we gain nothing. We gain nothing from showing love in an earthly sense to those who are hurting us. In fact, We may end up receiving mocking for it. You know, how many times have we heard that Christians are a soft touch? How people perceive it. But that's not how Jesus sees it. You know, in John's John's gospel at chapter 15, in verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. We might never ever be called to lay down our life. But there are certain sacrifices that we need to make. If it meant that we could love others in the way that Jesus has loved us. You know, there's this wonderful uh, theologian and author that that, I was introduced to uh, during my training uh, called On Renewing. And he refers to the love that Jesus speaks of, this sacrificial love, as being the the first love. That's what he calls it. He calls it the first love. You know, experiencing that love, it, it, it frees us up. It frees us up. You know, when we've fully received God's love We're able to to be freed up to go and love others in the way that that, that Jesus has loved us. You know, turning the other cheek, refusing to to judge others who might be judging us, because we have that knowledge of who the the ultimate judge is the one who showed his love for us in the person of Jesus. It's not always easy, um, not always easy to receive that first love that Henri Nguyen talks of. Because there might be certain things in, in our life or things that we're holding on to that, that we feel that we're excluded from it, that somehow God is um, angry with us and, and is done with us. Too much, you know, I've done too many things that are, that are bad. It can be very difficult to, to receive and accept that first love that Henri Nguyen talks of. You know, things that we're not proud of. We might think that we're somehow past this love of God. But God is searching for open hearts. You know, as Jesus says, but I say to you that, listen, God is always listening and searching our hearts. And for those people who are seeking out forgiveness, if we're truly sorry for the things that that we've done and said in the past, things that we're not proud of, forgiveness is there for us. God is offering that to us. And if we receive that, then we no longer have to carry around the things that, that are causing us this guilt, this anguish, this inability to receive that first love. God loved us first, and we are now called to go and show that love to others. And the thing is, this first love that we experience is, is very, very different to a, a, an earthly love. Um, you know, we've kind of made love uh, almost a transaction, where um, if we extend love to someone, we expect it back. Um, some kind of contract that's, that's created that if we show love to someone, we expect it in return. But when we don't receive that, it can lead to anger, hurt. Relationships start to break down. We don't feel like we're getting back what we're putting in. And it's very, very different to this, this first love that's sacrificial and doesn't expect anything. It hopes, but it doesn't expect. You know, Jesus hopes that, that we would respond to his act of love. But we are given free will. And we get to choose that for ourselves. Unfortunately, so many people, because it's hard to choose not to. But it's been given freely to us if we would just accept it. And if we accept it, we understand that we're forgiven. That it's not a transaction. We're now free to extend that love to other people. Even to those who may well have hurt us. And that's not a natural thing that we would gravitate to. We might find it easy to love those who, who love us. But very, very difficult to love people who have hurt us and continue to hurt us cause us a, a lot of pain as we walk through our life but we are thankful for the the holy spirit to help and to strengthen and to to guide us through those times and we also have jesus to look to as the as the example if we're going to be followers of him listening to him and his teachings and and, and looking to to him to be our model and our example then we need to look to how see how jesus responded to those who were his enemies, who had positioned themselves as his enemies. And I've always loved it that Jesus never ever asks us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. I love that. So if we think about how Jesus responds to those who have positioned themselves as his enemy, those who are doing everything in their power to look to try and get rid of him, Jesus prays for them. He prays for them, trying to get them to that place of of understanding. Long after we would probably have given up, we would have probably given up at the first time that these people weren't listening. But Jesus continues and continues and continues to try and get them to a place where they would understand God's love for them. But we would probably have given up. So we need to be persistent with it and not give up. Jesus does it all with grace. He forgives them. As I say, Jesus was committed to prayer, you know, to spending time with his Father, you know, praying for forgiveness for, for these people who are treating them so badly. You know, if we think about in the Garden of Gethsemane, that amazing prayer, but he's down on his knees. And we read of the intensity of that prayer and, and, and causing, causing blood to, to come out of his head and rolling down his face. He's so intently praying for, for that situation. Even although he knows that one of his closest allies and friends had betrayed him and that the others would follow. All the things that were about to happen to him, that even his closest friends were about to betray him, continues to show love to Judas and the other disciples, even at his most vulnerable moment. And the thing is, we too can pray that that intense prayer to, to to be, to be transformed, and to allow us to rise above. Our situations, our our emotions, the, the, the hurt and the pain that is coming to us. And it amazes me that even as he's on the cross, everything that had happened to him to that point, he continued to show love to us, humankind, despite what we'd done to him. And amongst all of the mocking, he continues to pray, Father, would you forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. I've tried, but they just don't get it. Even when he has been strung up on a cross, he continues to show love to his enemy. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, that's where we see the first Christian martyr in Stephen. Stephen is speaking with a boldness that comes from God. Held strong to his faith in Jesus. And he is stoned for it. Because the people don't want to hear it. And while he's being stoned, he says, forgive them. Forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them, Father. What an amazing witness to the world. That we don't pay hatred and anger back with more hatred and anger. And what a wonderful world we would have if that was the case. We do things differently because we listen to Jesus, we follow him, we're part of this upside down kingdom that the world just can't seem to get its head around. We extend love and forgiveness because we've received that first love. And the thing is, it's important to recognize here, and I I make a point of this all the time when, when I approach these kinds of subjects, is that when we extend our love to our enemies, it does not legitimize the things that they've done to us. Ever. It does not ever legitimize the pain and hurt that is caused by other people that's not what's going on it's never about saying that it's okay what you've done but it's about freeing us up from carrying around that pain and hurt that we don't allow it to eat away at us We don't need, we don't need to carry it around with us god wants us to be released to go and continue to show love his love the first love to the world and I'm going to close with something that, that I read a while back by a, a minister called Hugh McKeever. And he says that there's a, a number of things that happen when we love our enemies, specifically our enemies. The first thing is that, that God is honored. You know, people might wonder why we're doing it. You know, why, why are you continuing to, to act in this way to me when I've been so horrible to you? We're able to point to God and say it is because we've received that first love shown in the person of Jesus. It's through his love for us that we wish to extend that love out into the world. The second thing is that that Jesus is pleased because we have listened to him. We have listened to his teaching. We have seen his example and looked to carry it out. So we've listened but not only have we listened we're actually acting upon his teaching the third is that the Holy Spirit is able to use our actions to accomplish amazing things you know the way that we um, the way that we interact and, and act with people we've no idea what the Holy Spirit is going to do in their life we've absolutely no idea when we show our love uh, to our enemies, we've no idea what the Holy Spirit is going to do in that person's life. You know, very rarely will it ever cause an immediate reaction if someone is is so angry in that situation, but you don't know what's going to happen, you know, a month, 12 months, however long down the road because of that interaction that you've had and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to go to work. The fourth is that the devil is infuriated. Because we're not playing by his rules. We're not playing by the earthly rules. We refuse to to pay anger and hurt with the same. We choose to do something different. Because the one that we follow tells us to act differently. The fifth is that because we do things differently, it might start to puzzle people. They might start to wonder what is going on. This isn't normal. It seems a bit weird. They might not understand why we are extending love to them. And it opens up the opportunity for the conversation to start about why. Why I am acting in this way. Why I am treating you this way. Because I wish to be treating others the way that, that I wish to be treated. We might be able to op- that opportunity to share the, the good news of Jesus with them. And the sixth is that those who criticize the church are dumbfounded because we're not fitting into their model of um, how they like to portray the church, that we're a soft touch or we are the exact opposite and we like to snipe at people and we are judgmental and we are only in things for ourselves, and that this, that and the next thing. But when we start to show love to others, it doesn't seem to match up with the, the caricature that the world likes to portray of the church. We're loving people because we have been loved first. The seventh is that fellow Christians who struggle with this stuff if they see another Christian brother or sister um, acting in this way that, that Jesus is asking us to, that acts as an encouragement. Because it's kind of like that's amazing that person's able to do that. Maybe I can too. It acts as an encouragement to rise above your current situation. You know, and that full knowledge of receiving God's love and wishing to extend it to the rest of the world. Equally, those who are on the periphery, we've no idea. This is one of the things that I think sometimes I forget, and I I guess I'm not unique. Um, I'm going to assume that other people do. We've no idea who is watching what we do on any given day. I don't want you to get paranoid about that. But it's true, we have no idea who is watching what we do and what we say got a bit big brothery there, sorry about that, but we've no idea. So we've no idea who might be watching from a distance and seeing us acting in this, this loving way and be intrigued enough to say, why did they act that way? That seems so strange. They may come and ask us. They may go and look to try and find something for themselves. But we've no idea who's watching. It may well draw them closer and closer to Jesus. Equally, we receive that blessing when we show love to our enemies because we're getting freed up from anything that might get in the way of distorting that amazing good news of Jesus where we start to allow the devil to start chipping away at us, telling us these little lies that God doesn't love us, that we've done too many bad things, why would God ever love us? But we receive that blessing to be freed up from any of that. And then finally, we have the reminder of the mercy of God, verses 35 and 36, where it says, but love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, for your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. There is nothing that we can do in this life, nothing in this life that we can do that is more important than showing the love of God to other people. We're called to be devoted followers of Jesus, to follow his teaching, to follow his example. We are called to extend that love, that first love, out into the world. And I hope and pray this week that, that you have at least one opportunity to pass over the opportunity to judge and that you get that opportunity to show that love to other people. Even if they are currently your enemy. So shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we do recommit ourselves to you. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your example. We thank you that you would never call us to do anything that you weren't willing to do yourself. But Lord, this is difficult stuff. It is incredibly difficult to follow through on loving our enemies. Difficult to love those that have hurt us. So we pray by your Spirit that you would help us. That you would give us the courage we need in those Interactions that, that will inevitably occur. We pray that by the prompting of your Spirit we would always be reminded of your love for us. That as we repented and sought forgiveness we received it and we no longer need to carry around the things that hold us back. Lord, we pray for a, a day where our world would finally get it. That we would stop paying anger with anger and hurt with hurt. But that we would start treating people by that golden rule. That we would treat people the way we wished to be treated. So Lord, would you help us with that this week? For we ask it in your precious and mighty name. Amen.